Hello and welcome to the Jim Baker Family Show. Coming to you from the village of Morningside, USA, snuggled in the beautiful Ozark Mountains. Today, our special guest is the New York Times best-selling author, filmmaker, and internationally recognized teacher, Joel Richardson. Our co-hosts today are Mondo De La Vega, and I'm Ricky Baker. And now, live from Grace Street at Morningside, USA, here are your hosts, Pastors Jim and Lori Baker. Welcome to our program on Grace yeah. Street. Thank Hi you, there. Ricky Baker. Yeah. My son, who <laughs> is announcing right now, and here he is there sitting is. at the end the, of the day. The magic of production. That's Hello, right. Ricky. Yeah. Hello, how are you? What are you doing these days? Oh, I'm working. We're trying to keep the PTL Television Network growing, and that's yeah. what we're doing every single day. More right. eyes on the PTL Network than there's ever been. Really? Yes, sir. What are some of the new things we're going to be doing? Well, we're branching out into our social media aspect a lot heavier, as well as our streaming aspect. So if you watch on uh, Apple Television, Amazon Fire Stick, our app on your phone, uh, some brand new things are coming. A new look is coming, so we're excited about that. What's important about s social media? Well, you know, the satellite television, as much as we loved it, and it was a, such a great asset to us for a while, it's actually dying. It's going away. We're moving is more towards our streaming. Is it half of it's gone? True. It is true. And companies aren't even pouring money into restoring their satellites anymore. They're letting them die, and they're letting them just stay in space. They're switching over to a streaming uh, platform now. So that's what we're doing as well. Wow. Yes. I'm sure glad you can do that. We're sticking with it. Come on. God told us to preach the gospel until he comes well, back. Well, I so we're started out. Right. There wasn't there wasn't color television. In fact, when I was born, there really wasn't television. Yes. And so I helped pioneer black and white television, and then we went to color. And now you're helping to pioneer That's right, a new the new wave. revolution. 50% yeah. of the broadcasting. Can you believe that, people? How many have social media? Anybody here have social media at all? Everybody. And if you Everybody don't, has social media. <laughs> and if you don't, you don't exist they, in the public They probably square. don't even know what it means, though. No, but you know, I watch television through YouTube TV. I don't use mm -hmm. DirecTV. I don't use any of the satellite networks. It got too expensive. And then when it rained or it got cloudy, you couldn't see DirecTV yeah. anyways. Mm -hmm. And that's not knocking them. It's just that the way of watching television is Change. on demand. And it's not People whenever they feed it us. It's whenever getting, we need it. It was like getting up to be like $500 yeah, a month. True. Yeah, a lot. For, tele for, for television. For yeah, and it's changing because nowadays people can produce their own program and they don't have to buy time anymore. They can just distribute that through social media. <laughs> and it's changed because now monetizing on social media has you know changed the playing field for all of us. But we have to be where people are. The news are breaking so much and so fast that, you know, I don't know when it was the change, but I know that up to last year that people were receiving their news through what used to be called Twitter. Now it's called X. Right. But because things are happening so fast, you couldn't wait on cable networks anymore to tell you what's breaking news. Yeah. And now news are being broken so fast that you yeah. have to have them instantly. It's crazy. Yeah, and, you know, social media has changed the platform. But this ministry is staying on the forefront of the forever changing of social media. You have to be where people are, and that's through you. We're able to do that. Your support, your financial giving, that hasn't changed, meaning that when you support this ministry, you're allowing us to go around the world in different mediums. 
It doesn't say that you stop giving. It means we have to give more. We have to stay engaged more and stay with the program because things are developing faster, but that means that the church ministry has to grow with it as well. Our special guest today is Joe Richardson, and he has one of the top online Christian programs. Did you know that? Yes, I did. The Underground with Joe Richardson. And he is uh, an amazing world traveler, teacher, preacher, filmmaker. That's right. Um, the Underground, that's the name of his show. Yeah, unbelievable program. And listen, go look for it because what's breaking right now is what Joe has been teaching and preaching mm -hmm. for the last 20 years yeah. that I've known. Yeah. And a book that was presented to us several years ago, mm -hmm. I wanted to bring it back because it's what's happening right now. Many of us in the Christian church or ministries do not understand the Middle East, yet God has prepared Joe Richardson for this hour yeah to help us understand what the Middle East is all about, the language they speak, the ideology that they're presenting to the world is nothing new, but it has to be brought back to the forefront yeah. just because it's in the news every single day and helping us understand the ideology that the Islamic world is presenting to the world. I want to make sure everyone today that hasn't, ordered your Christmas package yet to do so because Christmas is not that far off, is it? So you're no. talking about the double blessing <laughs> offer, I think is what he's talking about. That's so anytime that you give right. any amount to the ministry to help keep us on the air, you are going to receive a blessing back of so many different products. And we have all kinds of up here and and they're working. Our little elves are working That's back right. there and putting boy, our... Boy, are they shipping. Yeah. They're working hard. I'm, I mean, the shipping's very expensive, but we're still shipping. So we're shipping all these items out. They're coming to you double what yeah. you give. So you, you're going to receive from beautiful Christmas cups to nativity scenes to puzzles and, and books and... And, you know, just items that you are not getting in a lot of the stores anymore because, again, a lot of these Christmas items are very difficult to find in Absolutely. the different marketplace, especially I, I don't with know, the message the, of Christ. The, is the camera over here? Do yeah. It's on right there. I, I don't know. I, I wanted to, to just to show a couple items if you're close. That, that uh, angel with two children right there. Oh, that, that must be valued at least at $100. At least. Oh. At least. And it is, it is one of the gifts going out in the double blessing mm -hmm. offering. There, there's Kinda the hurt. angel yeah. right there. That's the angel's, just the angel's head. <laughs> <laughs> but there's, I mean, there's so many gifts, the most beautiful Christmas gifts that we've ever had. And we have a warehouse full that's going out. We've doubled the blessing. If you give $1,000, we're giving you $2,000 worth of gifts. Yeah. You say, I don't know what I'll do with all that. Well, you just give them away. Listen, you got to do what this lady sent me Keep a message on house. Facebook that she ordered her double blessing Christmas offer and she's blessed her church yeah. for Christmas giveaways. So and she good. said, I wanted to do that because you have such beautiful items and keepsakes that. 
people are not going to forget. They'll forget you getting socks and shirts. <laughs> but when you give them a beautiful painting or a right. beautiful statue of Joseph and Mary, uh, you know, being pregnant, that is something that you can keep. Or the Christmas chapel globe, uh, you know, so many different and, items. And we're giving these right there on your desk, Lori, the two the water bottle. Water bottle. Right. Pink and the blue. There's pink. There's blue. Yes. Uh -huh. There's all kinds of amazing. And th those are, they, they're part of the double. And then you got piles of books over here, too. All kinds of great books. We have just so many. The, the, I mean, the best books by the best authors yes. are coming free. And that, I think that plaque right there is one of right. the great Amazing things. Grace. How sweet the sound. It's so beautiful. That's a wooden plaque. I love with this. the words of Amazing Grace yes. on it, mm -hmm. and all the other beautiful things, the the, the manger scenes, yes. all the things, mm -hmm. the the snow globes, the manger scenes of where Mary and Joseph and the baby earth. Jesus and just great great scenes, that beautiful floor mat. These are doormats that you The doormats, that's yeah. right. Mm -hmm. and, and that's, I hate wiping my feet on it. It's so beautiful. Mm, but that's, that is beautiful. That's the upper room prayer chapel uh, uh, painted on that. Yes. It's so beautiful. if you want to be a part of that, you can go to jimbakershow.com or give us a call at 1-888-988-1588. And you can be a part of the double blessing offer. And my so many favorite people. box of greeting cards. Beautiful. The, the master's This blessing. is the end of them. And they're, they're just, maybe, I don't know if there's a case even of them left, but you you could get a box of these, yes. of the four different scenes mm -hmm. of Jesus. Right. It's the Master's Art Series yes. greeting cards, and they're fabulously beautiful. Mm -hmm. And uh, this box right here is David and Goliath. Mm -hmm. That's The kids love that kind of thing. So we have that. We have all kinds of things going out. So give. If it's a, if you only give ten dollars, you'll get twenty dollars worth of gifts. You give a hundred dollars, you get two hundred dollars worth of gifts. You give a thousand dollars, you get two thousand dollars worth of gifts. That's gift. right. That's a pretty good deal. Yeah, it is. And don't forget to visit our website, jimbakershow.com. We have brand new affiliates that have partnered with our ministry, and one that I'm excited yes. about is Grid Down Chow Down. It is the freeze dry raw beef. And we have different servings to accommodate your budget. So make sure you visit that. Well, we've waited a decade to get this. Oh, my goodness. We're going to do more programs to show you different ways that you can prepare this meat. It is real meat. It is yes. freeze-dried. Right. And I'm telling you. Grass-fed. Oh. Grass-finished. It's so good that it's, it's, it's for real beef. Absolutely. It and is a, real beef. And again, visit the website, <laughs> jimbakershow.com. We have Biblical Beauty, one of, pro one of the products yeah. that we have partnered with our, pre our, our present people that are living in Israel right now. Right. Biblical Beauty, uh, again, is an affiliate program where we are offering the oils mm -hmm. that are just unbelievable. I don't have time to go right. through the whole it's deal, but visit the website, jimbakershow.com. Mm -hmm. And also remember, our Lion Energy Fuelers Generator offers are there. And what I love about it is that we are presenting a brand new generator, which is the Quest. And I got to remind you, we are offering a special deal on this. You don't want to miss out. So visit the website, jimbakershow.com. We got Seisha water products that are available right now. So many offers that you don't want to miss.
If you want to keep us on the air, when you order products, that's how we stay on the air. Thank you so much. Yes. Joel, Israel was brutally attacked in October. Uh, it was the 7th, I believe. How, how did you feel when you saw the reports come over that Israel was at war? Well, first, let me say it's great to uh, great to see you all, Baker family. Um, yeah, thank you for asking, Jim. I was actually I was actually in Saudi Arabia, uh, which, uh, of course, if your audience doesn't know, is really just south and a little bit to the east of Israel. And we were actually staying in a hotel that was right on the border of Jordan. And of course, if you cross the border there, you're it's only 15 miles to Israel. And so we were actually right. Uh, right on the border of Israel, and you know, of course, a flood of text started coming in in social media. And I'll, let me just say this: um, in January of 2020, I took a tour group to Israel, a Christian tour group, and we went down to one of the Moshavs. That's a farming community that's down in the south, right next to Gaza. And um, they gave us a tour, and they talked about their security situation, and they talked about the fact that. You know, several of their kids had really severe PTSD because their kindergarten got hit by rockets from Gaza. They were trying to help Christians to understand what they live, what their life is like. And we painted these tiles and glued them up on this wall that faces Gaza to, you know, demonstrate their desire for peace and this type of thing. And I was getting texts that said there were 20 people from that, that community that were murdered. Um, this was a small community to see the videos of families breaking bread because it was a Jewish holiday, sitting in their house as terrorists run into their house and start killing uh, the brothers and sisters, the mothers, the fathers, raping, pillaging, and then dragging women off as, as prisoners of war, kidnapping them. Um, it was extremely emotional. Of course, I was leading a tour in Saudi Arabia, so I was doing my best just to keep my emotions in check. But, you know, I sent you guys a video, I think, uh, the next day from Saudi Arabia. It was an extremely emotional time. But I'll say that probably even more devastating than that day was the reaction of the world. It was one thing to see this absolute nightmare unfolding, but then to watch not tens of thousands, not hundreds of thousands, but literally millions of people, Pastor Jim, from all over the world, in the major cities, in London, New York, all across Europe and the United States, even in small cities like Austin, Texas, conservative states, to see people protesting in the streets, literally supporting the terrorist organization that carried these things out, essentially supporting genocide, calling for the slaughter of the Jewish people, whether they say that or not, from the river to the sea, Palestine must be free, is essentially a call for the slaughter of the Jewish people. And as Mondo said, I, I've been writing about these things for over 20 years now. And it's one thing to teach and say these things are coming. It's another thing when they actually happen, when they start unfolding in front of you. And it was absolutely devastating. And, and I'll even add this, as devastating as it has been to see, you know, the Palestinians and their supporters in the streets, What's also been devastating is to see Christian pastors and leaders on social media who, who their theology is so skewed and their understanding of Israel and the current geopolitical, their, their security situation, to see them actually 
condemning Israel in the midst of this. That probably has been the most uh, deflating and depressing in all of it. Okay, Joe, okay, how did Jim. we get to the place where universities, social media users, and demonstrators in America and all over the world are blaming Israel for the war, not Gaza, yeah. not Gaza? Right, not Hamas. So what's amazing is when you listen to, you know, one of the most common anti-Semitic, that's Jew-hating conspiracy theories, You'll repeatedly hear this, oh, well, the Jews rule the world. The Jews control everything. They control Hollywood. They control Wall Street. They control everything. You know, this, the Jews have their spidery fingers in everything. Well, the reality is, if you look at the trending of propaganda in the universities, it's actually the Islamists that have infiltrated the universities, and not just the Islamists, but the Marxists. And, I mean, overwhelmingly, um, universities are dominated by Marxist thought which of course is fundamentally anti-colonialist. Um, and so it's very strange, it's very strange bedfellows to think of Marxism, which is an atheist ideology, and radical Islam, which of course is a monotheistic, uh, and I say radical Islam, it's a radical Islamic monotheist theology, to see them working together. But the one thing that they agree on is they hate the United States. They hate democracy, they hate liberty, they hate freedom, they hate Christians and they hate Jews. And so, so many of our kids, we send them off, we spend all of this money, send them to university, they get their postgraduate degrees in queer post-colonial astrology or whatever, just absolute nonsense that we're teaching them. And so you've seen all of these kids, these American kids who think it is the, the justice cause of the day to be in the streets joining these Palestinians, chanting from the river to the sea, Palestine must be free. You see LGBT, you know, these these um, gay, queer, transgender, whatever it might be, activists who are actually supporting Hamas, supporting a terrorist organization. And they actually think they there's a logical connection there. And as I've always said, the, the, the insanity of this is if they were openly LGBTQ, whatever, LMNOP in Gaza, they would probably get gutted in the streets or thrown off of a roof. You know, to see these these liberal American kids protesting in support of Hamas, it's like seeing chickens out in the middle of the street protesting in favor of Kentucky Fried Chicken. It's just, it's fundamentally ridiculous. That's right. I believe that book that you have right there, Mom, yeah. was one of the most important this is, books right, that Joel. this ministry has ever offered, yeah. yet we missed it. Yet we didn't understand it. Yet we didn't realize it. Yet we did not want to accept the reality that this ideology has taken the world by storm mm -hmm. because of social media. It has exploded into a propaganda that I think is far greater than what the Germans did back in the day mm. because of oh the my. power of social media. Mm. Wow. Yet it is one of the most important messages that Joe Richardson has ever given, mm -hmm. not to belittle any of the writings that you did after this book, Joe, but I believe, do you, can I ask you this question? Do you believe that this book, The Islamic Antichrist, is a book for right now? Yeah, no, absolutely. What's amazing, uh, Mondo, is I actually, it's now been 20 years. The book is actually, from the time that I started writing it, it was 20 years ago. I finished it in 2004, and it's been sort of um, republished various times. 
interestingly, in the introduction, one of the things that I talk about is sort of predicting um, the idea of a mass conversion in the West to Islam, because after 9-11, it was shocking that we had this massive conversion of Westerners to Islam. And that seems contrary. You go, all these people see 9-11, they see these terrorists, you think they would run the other way. But what happens is people start studying Islam, and Americans are incredibly open, you know, we're incredibly tolerant, and we accept what people tell us at face value. So they listen to the propaganda of some of these Islamic apologists, these evangelists, and they were converting. Well, there was just an article a few days ago that said after the events of October 7th, again, terrorists breaking into people's homes, animals, absolute monsters. There's a massive trend right now of American women converting to Islam. You go, how in the world is that possible? Or, you know, even if they didn't convert, again, we have their support. Um, you have the support of all of these Marxists. And so, yeah, there's a degree to where, you know, and I, I don't like to claim to be a prophet by any means, but it's kind of like what you mentioned earlier, Mondo. You know, if you're in the media world, you're in the broadcasting world, and you're only on the satellites, that used to be the way to go. But in order to survive, we have to be futurists. We have to recognize trends. You have to know the trends a few years out ahead, you know, five years ahead, where, where social media is going. Everyone's going to the streaming platforms. And right now as the church, if we're not futurists, if we don't know our future, you know, if you're in the media field and you're not a futurist, you're dead in the water. You know, a lot of people in business, they're dead in the water two or three years ahead of time. They don't even realize it. And as the church right now, we need to be forward thinking. We need to recognize what's coming. And as I said, unfortunately, I've written about these things. I've predicted it for years, but here it is. And it's really painful to see. What do you think about China having a website that is probably, what, a billion viewers He's in America? He's talking about TikTok. TikTok. He's talking about TikTok. Yeah, that I've, is I've, a Chinese arm of. Um, <laughs> I yeah. just want to hear Joe's opinion and of what's yes. how it's it the massive most of our young people are watching TikTok and getting their news from it. It's not just the young people. It's not just the young people. I mean, you travel all over the world, and it's just not in the United States. I mean, you can be. I was just in Korea. You can be anywhere, and you'll just see a guy, 50 years old, sitting on the in the you know airport, just flipping through TikTok, just laughing. And you know the old saying um, that uh, Karl Marx said, right? Religion is the opiate of the masses. Isn't it ironic now that the Marxist juggernaut has created technology which is the opiate of the masses? And as Mondo said, our kids are being discipled by TikTok. It's, it's kind of the consolidation of the spirit of the world and just, you know, this numbing um, opiate to just stare there. And, and also, as an author, I'll say it drives me crazy because it's destroying the attention span of the, of the human mind. People can't even read anymore. The only thing they can do is watch very short, punchy little videos. They can't even watch a 10-minute video. Um, the, the most they have is one or, you know, a couple minutes or this sort of thing. So it is, it's kind of the, the Tower of Babel of technology, if you will. It's the Tower of Babel of discipleship. And yes, who owns it but China? Yeah. It's really in times. Absolutely. Vox News has a report I want you to watch, and then I'm going to ask you to talk about it. Let's roll that, please. So what you're saying is what we did in World War II. We had a Marshall Plan, but first we denazified Germany. We had to destroy the, uh, the religious views of the empire there. In other words, there are cultural things that have to be done before you're busy setting up something else, correct? Yes, because otherwise what you're going to get 
is the same thing. And uh, Hamas already says, oh, they'll stay there and they'll do it again and again and again. Well, you have to defeat Hamas, but you can't get a new Hamas to emerge there. Well, we have to have uh, a force that is committed to a different future for the Palestinians. I mean, they're stuck in this rabbit hole, in this never-ending loop of seeking to destroy the Jewish state. That's what's keeping this conflict alive for the last century. It's not the absence of a Palestinian state. It's the presence of a Jewish state. They could have had a state. They were offered that in the UN resolution of 1949, refused. They established the PLO in 1964, three years before we, we had Judea Samaria, the West Bank and Gaza. It was in Arab hands. The persistent refusal of, uh, of the two wings of the, uh, of the Palestinian society, the PLO and the, uh, and the Hamas, to accept a Jewish state in any boundary, that's what keeps this conflict going. And unless you treat that, all you're doing is you'll destroy this terrorist state that was built in Gaza, and it'll emerge again because you haven't done anything to change the ideology. You haven't done anything to these people who you want to put in their people who pay for slaves? They pay the terrorists and their families? The more number of Jews they murder, the more they pay them? They teach their children that you have to liquidate Israel? Their leaders now applaud every week, every week what Hamas did? I'm talking about the moderate branch, so-called moderate branch. And their leader to date, almost 40 days after the conflict began, refuses to condemn the savagery that was uh, perpetrated. These are the people, these are the people you want to entrust us? No, we need a different future. The Palestinians deserve a different future. Peace requires a different future. Wow. The world is split by what is going on in Israel. Why are, are we seeing an uprising of anti-Semitic people at I really historic levels? What's going on? You know, the Bible is clear. It actually says in Isaiah 34, it's, it's a prophecy that talks about the return of Jesus, the judgment of the Lord against Edom. Edom sort of represents the people who uh, embody the everlasting hatred um, against God and his covenant people. And the reason for his vengeance, he's very specific. He says it's for the controversy of Zion. You know, thousands of years ago, really 3,000 years ago, Isaiah the prophet predicted that the nations would be possessed, that they would be um, like a magnet drawn to this controversy, that the last days, the, the geopolitical landscape of the last days would be defined by the controversy over Israel. And the Lord, in so many ways, he has chosen to allow this controversy as a test, as a, a test concerning men's hearts. And so it's amazing when times like this, it does test the hearts of mankind. And unfortunately, as I said, even many in the church are failing. And this is absolutely why the church needs to understand these things from a biblical perspective. You know, I want to comment, if I could, on uh, Netanyahu's statements there. Uh, if you notice, of course he's clear that they have to root out and destroy the very foundations, the tunnels, um, the military complex of Hamas. But he's actually talking about rooting out the ideology. Well, how do you change the ideas in a people's mind? Because one of the challenges that Israel is very well aware of is that there's this concept called blowback. And, you know, the idea is for every terrorist you kill, you create three more. Because if you kill little Ahmad, who's a terrorist, well, now Ahmad's uncles and his brothers and his cousins are 
got to become terrorists. They want revenge, even if he deserved it. So you have this incredible challenge. Israel's constantly faced with this challenge. So how do you change the ideology? You have to change the regime. And I'm actually going to make a prediction here, Pastor Jim, and this is not by the Spirit of God, but just based on my speculation. I'm going to guess that what we'll see eventually emerge is some type of uh, international Muslim coalition, or it could be led by, for example, Saudi Arabia, could be Turkey, but Israel will essentially allow a foreign Muslim nation to govern Gaza. You can't just give it back to Hamas. You have to give it to some type of outside mediator that's going to promise that this type of thing will never happen again. And I think that that will probably lead to the dividing of the land. That will be the, if you will, the peace covenant or the peace treaty of the Antichrist. It's something that may not, may not be that far off. Oh, boy. Mm. Wow. You said this was a test. I think the world has failed this test. Why is it an absolute non-negotiable for Christians to stand with Israel both today and during the coming days of fire and great trial? Yeah. So right now, let's say, you know, your average, your average Presbyterian reform, reform Baptist pastor, you know, a lot of good brothers and sisters, they're Calvinists, this type of thing. They embrace replacement theology. And because of that replacement theology, they believe that Israel is no longer the people of God. And they have some valid points. If someone doesn't believe in Jesus, they're not in Christ. But God himself, through Paul the Apostle in Romans 11, he lays it out. He goes, God himself hardened their hearts in order that we, the Gentiles, could come in. But at a certain time, when we reach the fullness of the Gentiles, when the fullness of the Gentiles has come in, then all Israel will be saved. And so even though the majority today are not believers, the Lord calls the things which are not yet as though they were. And the Lord continues to view and treat Israel as his people and even his holy people. So you see the statement in, for example, Joel chapter 3, where the Lord says, in those days and at that time, he's talking about the last days, I'll bring all of the nations or all the Gentiles down to Jerusalem, the Valley of Jehoshaphat. That's the valley that runs in, it's the Kidron Valley, in between the Temple Mount and the Mount of Olives. The, the tomb of Jehoshaphat is down there. And so all the nations will invade the land of Israel in unity. And then it says that the Lord will judge them there. Why? Why will the Lord judge them? He says, on behalf of my people, my inheritance, Israel. So, you know, you have all these believers today that embrace replacement theology. They say they are no longer Israel, or they're no longer God's inheritance, no longer his people. Well, in the context of the last days, God refers to the people in the land as Israel, my inheritance, my people. And then he goes on and he says, because they have divided up my land. They have scattered my people among the nations as exiles, as refugees, as prisoners of war, kidnapped among the nations. And then he goes on, he says, they traded a boy for a prostitute. They bartered for a girl for wine. And so you've got human trafficking. You've got, you've got all these things. And I'll just say what happened with Hamas on October 7th, that was a small foreshadow. It was a foretaste of the far greater assault that won't just come from Gaza. It will come from all of the surrounding nations, a multinational invasion of Israel Zechariah tells us Jerusalem will be captured, the city will be divided, the women raped, 
exiles, people carried away as prisoners of war. And, and actually, all of the primary elements of these passages in Joel or Zechariah, we just saw them unfold with what's going on with Hamas. And so these are, these are terrifying days. I mean, in the spirit, it's a time to be embrace the fear of the Lord, to prepare our hearts for the difficult days ahead. I'm going to roll a piece from CBN News, and then I want you to talk about it. Let's roll that right now. The International Criminal Court's chief prosecutor, Karim Khan, has warned that he's considering war crimes charges over Israel's conduct of the war and its blockade of supplies into Gaza. I have to say that Israel has clear obligations in relation to its war with Hamas. Not just moral obligations, but legal obligations to comply with the laws of armed conflict. The United Nations is also collecting evidence, saying Israel may be committing the crime of collective punishment with its siege. We want the International Criminal Court to hold Netanyahu accountable for the war crimes and the crimes against humanity that Israel is committing. First of all, nations are not charged with war crimes. Individuals are. And those charges don't come after weeks, but in most cases after many years of investigation. The International Criminal Court would also have to prove Israeli officials willfully tried to kill civilians or cause suffering. Jeffrey Korn, former U.S. Army senior advisor on law of war issues, currently leads the Center for Military Law and Policy at Texas Tech University. He says war crimes are not committed simply because civilians die, but how and why they die. We don't define a war crime in an attack by what occurs. We define a war crime in an attack by the decision to launch the attack. So it's, it's a conduct-based equation, not a result-based equation. And so when we look at the images of destruction and civilian suffering in war, and we jump to the conclusion that that must be a war crime, that's like saying one plus I don't know equals war crime. The Israeli Defense Force's Code of Ethics sets a very high bar, stating every human being is of value, regardless of his or her origin, religion, nationality, gender, status, or position. The IDF servicemen and women will act in a judicious and safe manner in all they do, out of recognition of the supreme value of human life. Andrew Tucker is an expert in international law in The Hague, Netherlands. That doesn't mean Israel doesn't make mistakes. It doesn't mean Israel doesn't do wrong things. It simply means that in terms of process, in terms of decision-making, it's, I think, indisputable that Israel holds itself to the highest moral and legal standards. Some of those who want Israelis charged for war crimes are very upset with Karim Khan for not having already issued arrest warrants, with the anti-Israel BDS movement branding Khan a genocide enabler. But some believe it's all but assured Israelis will be charged, with so many international agencies, including the United Nations, aligned against Israel. Most Israeli military leaders know that no matter how hard they try to, to actually and comply with the law and do their best to deal with this difficult situation, they're going to be condemned. Joe, I want to know why. Israel could be charged with war crimes when they were attacked and brutally attacked. It's absolute idiocy, um, Pastor Jim. Look, 
Israel has every right to defend themselves. Now, this is the challenge that Israel's facing right now. It's not simply that they just have to kill the enemies. They have to play against uh, a team that has very cynically and purposefully you know, buried all of their various targets and military installations under hospitals and civilian centers because Hamas doesn't care about life. They don't care about their own people's lives. They don't care about Jewish lives. That's why they sent in these terrorists to do what they did. They were trying to provoke as much of a response as possible. So Israel doesn't just have to fight a normal war. In the old days, the military just killed people and broke stuff. And you don't do that anymore. No, now you have to play the, the you have to play the PR war, the propaganda war. And so it's Israel that has done everything they can to create a corridor, to warn people. They drop leaflets. They essentially knock on the roofs before they blow the buildings up, give people five minutes to get out. And then it was Hamas that was shooting people as they were trying to flee. And even though that should be obvious, you have these spineless, pathetic, easily manipulated, forgive me, Europeans, which is ironic, by the way, you know, I mean, in the UN, where, you know, you still have so many um, prophecy teachers uh, in the church today, you know, folks, they, they get real agitated. They're like, don't tell me the Antichrist is going to come out of the Islamic world. And, uh, you know, they mock this idea as if the Antichrist is going to come out of Europe. This iron-toothed beast of Daniel 7 is Europe. I go, no, they have no teeth. It is the most toothless body of nations in the history of the world. It's these snowflake effeminate gummy bears who are easily, um, easily uh, you know, swayed by the pressure from these Islamic nations that are controlling the UN, which is absolutely insane to have people from Iran sitting on the UN uh, human rights commissions and this type of thing, or people from Sudan, like it's insanity, but they actually cave into this. And so, yes, Israel doesn't just simply have to fight this normal war and kill their enemies. They have to fight a war against a bunch of insane, uh, pathetic um, idiots who are caving into the, the, the hatred of the nations. That's all it amounts to. It's, an, it's a demonic hatred. They, they always talk about the occupation of Palestine, the greatest occupation right now is the demonic occupation of the Palestinian mind, as well as those running the UN, the, the criminals who run the UN. Wow, that's strong, powerful. Let's talk about the end time prophecies of Islam that are leading many Muslims to fulfill biblical prophecies. Can you talk about that? Yeah, so let me just, let's say we're talking to um, your average college kid, you know, who might be watching this show, and they think that Israel, they've, they've bought into the propaganda that Israel is horrible. You know, let me just say something, too, for, the, for that average kid who believes that. I go to Israel all the time. You know, the look, Tel Aviv is the homosexual capital of the world, worse than, worse than San Francisco. Israel is not some conservative, juggernaut religious nation. The religious people in Israel are very small. Israel has, I always joke, I say Israel has more white people with dreadlocks than any other nation in the world per capita. I mean, it is a nation of peaceniks and hippies. And they can't figure out why do these people want to kill us? And the bottom line is it's not because they're evil. It's not because they deserve to be hated more than any other people. That's, that's racism of the worst form. But you have to understand, Hamas, you know, talk about Islamic prophecies. Hamas itself, their very charter, if you go back to the original charter of Hamas, now, about 10 years ago, they were forced to change it. 
because of pressure from the UN, but in the charter, it actually had this Islamic prophecy that said, the day of resurrection will not come until the Muslims fight against the Jews and kill them, until there are only a few Jews left hiding themselves behind a tree or a rock, and then the tree or the rock will cry out and say, oh, faithful Muslim, there is a Jew behind me, come and kill him. And when you read the accounts of all of these kids that were down at the rave at the concert, it was a peace concert right on the border of Gaza. You know, hundreds of kids were slaughtered. They were dancing under a Buddhist, a giant Buddhist statue. These are not a bunch of conservative, uh, you know, racists. These were kids who want to get along. I mean, they were as liberal as any college kid from Berkeley. And you have this group who has been indoctrinated, brainwashed, and the rest of the charter, it said, Hamas exists to fulfill this prophecy, which is genocide. You know, you have kids today who think they're, they're joining a cause of justice. No, you are supporting a radical, conservative, Islamic, apocalyptic, genocidal agenda. And, you know, in the same way, it says right in the Bible, Jesus said, in fact, the days are coming, John 16, 2 and 3, when those who kill you, will believe they're serving God, believe they're offering God a sacrifice. They do these things because they don't know the Father and they don't know me. And that's really what it boils down to, is if we have the Spirit of God in us, we'll see the truth. If we, if we have the Spirit of the world in us, we will easily succumb to the irrational hatred that is just blinding the minds of so much of the world right now. Man, that's powerful. I hope God's people are listening to you today, uh, Joel. Uh, is it true that Islam is the fastest growing religion in the world? It is. And in fact, it's actually speeding up. So when I wrote Islamic Antichrist, I talked in the first chapter about, or the introduction, a lot about demographics. Um, at that time, I might be wrong, but I think Islam was at about 1.4 billion. Um, they're just right now right at about 2 billion, just crossing that line into about 2 billion people you know, throughout the globe. And look, I want to be clear, I love Muslims. I have a lot of friends who are Muslims. I'm not anti-Muslim. I am against radical Islam with its apocalyptic genocidal prophecies and this type of thing. There are plenty of Muslims who just want to live peaceful lives. There's plenty of Palestinians that just want to live these peaceful lives. In fact, there's many Palestinian Christians. But unfortunately, it is the more hateful, more apocalyptic uh, prophecies and, and passages in the Quran and so forth that drive these individuals. And Hamas is, they, they're race baiters. You know, they, look, you know, again, these college students, they go, well, you can't stand the one percenters. You want to talk about one percenters? You look at the poverty in Gaza and you look at the leaders of Hamas. They are billionaires, not multimillionaires, billionaires living in mansions in Qatar, living in Turkey and this sort of thing. That is, they are cynical. These people are a thousand times worse than people like Al Sharpton, whose job is to stir up division and hatred. These people stir up hatred toward the Jewish people because that's how they get rich, and they exploit their own people uh, to make that happen. Oh, my land. There's so much that Joel has unpacked, and, is, and I, I have something. I, we, Joel, we. I, I've got a lot of questions. Uh, and we're, so I'm going to have to another could, hour. I, I know. We could go days with you, Joel, honestly. But so, uh, there's something I have to go back to because I'm a little shocked I, because we're going so fast with all these questions, Jim. Okay, Joel, I wrote, took notes when you said, okay, I watch the news all the time. We're news. I didn't know this. You said that women 
are turning to Islam. Is that what you just said a few minutes ago? Yeah. yeah. What's yeah. going on? When you have, there's, there's a lot of reasons for this, but I'm going to say this. So in the United States, in the West in general, we have been indoctrinated when kids go to college. It's not just college. We have been taught to be ashamed of who we are in the American education system. We feel bad for what we did to the First Nations, you know, American, right. uh, the, the Native Americans. And look, rightly so. We've been, we're ashamed about slavery. Look, there's a lot of things in our history that we should repent for, so to speak. Um, but we're also the greatest source of liberty and these type of things in the world. But we've been taught to be ashamed of who we are. So you have a culture that is embarrassed. They're ashamed. And then on the other side, you have Islam. The Quran says, you are the best of people. You have the best religion. You have the best prophet. They have been taught their whole lives that they are the best people in the world. And it is their divine destiny to conquer the world. So you have this incredibly culturally confident people clashing with the people who are you know, when Obama came in as president, he went around the world and apologized, right? It's cowering, that, that left mindset, everything, they feel bad. So when you have a confident culture class, clashing with a culture which is just filled with shame and apology, they run, they run right over them. And so uh, Americans, Westerners, they're incredibly vulnerable. And, you know, even, let me give you an example. You, this was just a trend this week on TikTok. All of these I mean, you know, American, women, white, black, Hispanic, they started reading Osama bin Laden's letter to America. It is the most perverse, twisted propaganda in the world. But these kids who have no defenses, they have, they have zero um, ability to think critically for their own. Uh, they've been hamstrung to think on their own. They read this and they're going, oh my gosh. And you have, there was one woman I saw, she was formerly a Christian and then she deconstructed, she left the faith. And she's basically converting to Islam, not after reading the Quran, after reading Osama bin Laden's letter to America. That's where we are. That is My sick. God. Okay, His, that helps that's me the understand man, it. That's the man who bombed 9-11. Right. Is, and, the, and, 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 the mastermind behind 9-11 that killed three, almost 3,000 Americans. That's, that's on TikTok, and it's converting literally seems like thousands of youth wow. in America. I, I don't know now, what's going on. Now, the other thing that's shocking that Joel hit on, and Mondo's hit on many times, I hear Mondo say it all the time, you know, it, it's been shocking to me, but then I just heard Joel say it, that you said a lot of ministers, is what you said on social media, that a lot of ministers are, uh, how did you say, not telling the truth. I mean, they're, they're believing this lie. Um, they are, and that, that's the, really the next question I was going to ask you about. In your book, you talk about 60,000 Christians converting to Islam. Why would people of faith do that? Go ahead, and you can answer both those questions yeah, together. Right. Yeah, no, I mean, and there's, there's other issues too. Like, so again, with regard to Christians, we have bad theology that crept into the church in the early years of the church, replacement theology. Like once you basically as a Christian believe God no longer likes this people, they rejected Jesus. It's God's will that they're dispersed among the nations. God's mad at them. He wants to dissolve them as a people. And you go, that's God's will for them. And I'm God's servant. The very natural logic is that, well, how should we treat them? We should treat them poorly. And so they may not always realize that these, these ministers that embrace replacement theology, but it is the natural underlying logic. And we've seen it throughout, throughout Christian history. We've seen Christians turn uh, against the Jewish people throughout Europe, driving them from one city to the next, pogroms, 
persecutions. I document that in my book, When a Jew Rules the World. And it ultimately did. It led to, it led to Hitler. You know, as Christians were discussing this, they go, what should we do with the Jews? That became known as the Jewish question. And then, and then Luther came along and said, I'm going to answer the Jewish question. He basically said, burn their synagogues to the ground, drive them like screaming dogs from one city to the next. And then Hitler came along and he proposed the final solution. Well, it was the final solution to what? The Jewish problem. He was offering a demonic solution to a Christian theological question. And so a lot of Christians are not aware of this, but the Jewish people are very well aware of this history. And so it, there's a lack of education in the church that needs to be, needs to be addressed. Now, the, the, we're out of time, but I got a couple minutes left. And you talk about the Mahdi. Am I saying that right? The Muslims, yep. Mahdi, they have a state of anticipation for that Mahdi. What will he do? How important is the Mahdi? Uh, will it be comparable to the return of Jesus? Uh, will the Mahdi rule over the Muslim world? Where will the Mahdi rule from? Uh, and will he make war? Is that true? Could you answer any of those questions? <laughs> I'm sorry, yeah, I throw so much at you. Yeah, I really break this down in the book Islamic Antichrist there. It was the first book that really laid this stuff out, and I work through all of the Islamic scholars and so forth. So whether they're Sunni or Shia, they believe in the coming of this end-time Messiah figure, this reviver of Islam known as the, the Mahdi, or you could say in Arabic, the Mahdi. So um, they believe Muslims need to, they want to restore something called the Caliphate, or the, the they say in Arabic, Khilafah, which is the Islamic government. It's mandated by the Quran that there is this government in place. And so that the caliph or the leader of the Muslim world, he's the pope, he's the president, and he's the general of the Islamic world. Religious, military, political, all wrapped into one. And the Mahdi is believed to be the final caliph. Okay, now, according to their prophecies, he will revive Islam to become supreme throughout the world. He will invade the land of Israel. He will conquer Israel. He will set up the caliphate or his seat of authority on the Temple Mount. He will rule for a period of seven years. He will be assisted by Muslims, believe, by a Muslim Jesus who comes back from heaven to assist him, to tell the Christians of the world that we got it wrong, that our gospel is not true. Jesus never died on the cross. Jesus never claimed to be God. Instead, Islam is the one true religion, and we need to follow the Mehdi. So yes, he'll wage war against non-believers throughout the world. Essentially, and we've touched on this so many times, he is almost a mirror image to the biblical Antichrist. And because of their prophecies, many, many apocalyptic Muslims throughout the world are essentially waiting and praying for the coming of the Antichrist. Wow. Will Christians be deceived, you think? Look, there's a lot of people who call themselves Christians. Jesus says that delusion will be so strong that even the elect would be deceived if that were possible. Um, but Jesus also, has, also said there's many wheat and tares that grow up together in the church. So there are many fake Christians, Christians in name only. And uh, I mean, so it's even if you have the spirit of God, even if you are wheat, if you're a real Christian, then it's going to be such a strong delusion. Many Christians will struggle. But if you're a fake Christian, if you're not truly walking by the Spirit, if you're not truly born again, 
then I believe that there's no question. Jesus says at that time, many will fall away from the faith, Matthew 24, 16. So I believe absolutely many will fall for the great delusion. You've got to come back soon. Yes. Uh, oh, man. Uh, we, we do Skype now, so. Uh, <laughs> but we do like uh, you, you, you need. We, we like you to come in live, but <laughs> but I, I'll Skype any day. Yeah. I, 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 need, I need you to come the first of the year. Yes, and good, do a Jim. couple days maybe with we me. Do. Yeah, and I just I want to throw one last thought out. How is the rise of Turkey important? And I've said this on the air so many times. Mm-hmm. One of the things that God spoke to me when He gave me the thirty-one, 31 things, things in nineteen ninety-nine, including nine eleven. Yes. Those those major events, and he said, "Watch Turkey." I have n- I'm very ignorant about Turkey, but to, I wanted before we close this show for you to talk about how is the rise of Turkey p- important. Yeah, and we've talked about this many times, Pastor Jim. So I'll tell you what um, the scriptures are clear that the Antichrist in Daniel 11, he's called the King of the North. In Ezekiel 38 and 39, he's called Gog, and he comes from the land of Magog, which is the land of modern-day Turkey, Asia Minor. The Bible tells us to watch that part of the world for this coming Antichrist. And so we've been watching Turkey ever since I've been visiting with you over the past decade. I'll tell you what, just last month, at the time of this recording, in October 2023, that was the 100-year anniversary of the abolition the ceasing of the caliphate. It was the Ottoman caliphate that Mustafa Kemal Ataturk abolished. And so at the 100-year anniversary, after the caliph and the caliphate were abolished, Erdogan, the president of Turkey, had a massive rally. <coughs> Excuse me. And he actually said, the end of the, the, the revival of the Ottoman Empire has started. They had one and a half million people gather. And he said, Israel, we're coming for you. In the middle of the night, we're going to come back and rescue our Palestinian brothers and sisters. So in so many ways, <clears throat> we're seeing everything that you and I have been talking about literally within just the past few weeks beginning to come to pass. Do you believe then that the Antichrist could come from Turkey? Yeah, no, I very much do. Again, the scriptures repeatedly point to the same part of the world. In Micah 5, they refer to him as the Assyrian. Turkey was part of the ancient Assyrian Empire. In Daniel 11, he's the king of the north from the Seleucid or Seleucid dynasty. Antiochus Epiphanes, he was from Turkey, Syria, that region. And as I mentioned also um, in uh, Ezekiel 38 and 39, it overwhelmingly emphasizes Turkey. And so it's not just biblical prophecy. It's very real geopolitical realities on the ground right now. Um, where where Turkey is, is I'm emerging. I'm going to ask you one more time. Do you believe the Antichrist comes from Turkey? Absolutely. Yeah, the scriptures overwhelmingly emphasize Turkey as the region that the Antichrist would come I want, from. In I want my viewers to hear that. I want my two children, my two boys, they're taking over for me when I go to heaven. So I want them to know what you're saying because I think that's why God said watch Turkey. 
I think that's you why know he what's told so me. funny about that is when I came to the Lord and I know our time is gone. One is of the gone. things that I began to study was the Book of Revelation, and I believe that the Antichrist was going to be an Assyrian descendant, and because a man by the name of um, a big evangelist, um, oh, God, I forgot his name, a big evangelist started preaching about this, Yiye Avila, about the end times, and that's when I began to study about the Antichrist coming from an Assyrian background that led me back to Turkey and then when I met you, right. one of the main things was watch Turkey. And then here's Joe yeah. talking about Turkey. All right, next month, <laughs> you and Ricky and me, we're going to have a trio talk, uh, teaching. And we're going to preach on the Antichrist coming from Turkey. I want to... I think you need Joel Tell him here, why. too. Joel, Joel come, come over, we Joel. Well, we'll, I, we, oh if, he'll, if he'll come up, he'll be on Skype, and I'll be the four of us. Absolutely. That will be great. But I want us to study. We have to go. I I, uh, I wish I had another hour with with, uh, Joel. with Joel, Joel. But oh, man. I need everyone to so good. send an offering today. We're fighting to stay alive. Yes. And if you will call and just say, I want to pledge my double blessing. Anything you give, we're going to double it. Yes. If you give $1,000, we're sending you $2,000 worth of gift. Yes. And I mean it. Yeah. It's good stuff. Okay. It's good stuff. It's top notch. It's expensive right. stuff. Handpicked by Lori and me and the staff yeah. over True. the last couple of years. It's a great Christmas thing. So order it now. At one eight 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 nine eight eight one five eight eight, just say I want the double blessing, right. and you'll get double for your offering That's in the right. name of Jesus. Remember, God loves you so much; He really does. I have to go. Bye bye for today. Bye bye. We love you, and thank you, Joel Richardson. You're the best. If you want to see more content like this, like, share, and subscribe, or go to watchjimbakershow.com. Join Jim and Lori Baker every day as they welcome anointed teachers. Remember that God loves you. He really does. And the most dynamic personalities from around the world as we share grace and restoration. Power over the gods. You know, the Bible says, who is like you, O Lord, among you. You never know who is going to be on The Jim Baker Show.